All right, let's, uh, let's pray. God, I thank you for this chance to get together tonight and to, uh, to dig into your word and to see again uh, truths you have for us and, and uh, what your word means and what it says. Uh, God, and how we can apply the things we learned tonight um, to our lives. We pray uh, for the small group time as well. Yeah, we pray that um, we just um, answer questions and ask questions, God. And we just um, open up and, and uh, discuss and see the importance of community together. Uh, and that involves uh, honesty, God, as we looked at this last Sunday. Come, I pray. Amen. All right. So, like I said, we're going to be passing out those things at the end. So I'm trying to, if it feels a little rushed because we're normally doing a couple songs or whatever, that's that's because we are rushed. So, so we can pass out. Bless you. All of these flyers that we have. I think my battery's about to die. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So we are in week seven of our series called Asking for a Friend. Uh, we cover questions that we've been looked at um, with some tough topics, and tonight's no exception, because sexuality is all over the place in our world. You can't escape it. It's pervasive in our society. Whether you're opening a magazine, or you're turning on your TV, you're watching something on the online, or even just traveling down the road, sexuality is all over the place. And so we've explored the person of Jesus. We've looked at who our friends are, what it means to be a friend, and the trustworthiness of God's Word. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at um, the rules that God has set in place and what those rules mean for us, right? And so tonight, we're going to kind of dig in and, and, and sort through some questions about what God has to say about sexuality and what His Word has to say about it. If, you, if you've been here in any of these seven weeks, you know we ask other questions. Uh, to kind of help us answer this main question, you know, that we have. So the first question tonight is, well, didn't, well, is it going to work? There we go. Didn't God create us to be sexual? Is, isn't that a natural thing for humans? And of course, the simple answer is yes, right? Um, in Genesis 1, 26, I'm already getting a lot of grim, you know, little smirks out here like we're in junior high again. Mason. Um, so, Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first thing is we are made in the image of God, right? And God is a relational God. God desires to have a relationship with us, correct? You guys know this? Yes, God desires to have a relationship with each one of us. Secondly, I want you to notice that God created, says they're male and female. When God sought out a helper for Adam, he didn't create another male. He, he created woman, right? The perfect complement to man in every way. Emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically, Woman was exactly what man needed. Finally, notice the commands that God commands us to be fruitful and increase in number. So the first command that we see in Scripture given to men by God is to populate the earth. You go over to the next chapter, chapter 2. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So God created us to be in relationships male and female relationships and populate the earth. And so we are called through marriage to become one flesh. So what exactly 
does that mean? I, I don't think you can't. I don't think you can dismiss the obvious connection to verse twenty-five when it says that they were they were both naked. All right. So we're gonna rewind. You know, look at the story again real quick. God created us to crave relationships. He created us as male and female. He told us to populate the earth and to become one flesh. And he created us naked, right? So what's all that up to? That God created, God invented, thought up and encouraged sexual activity within his boundaries. Got it? We're going to look at that in a little bit later. This also tells me that God is not approved like some people think. God not only created us to be relational beings, but he even created us to be physically intimate together and to desire one another. That's, we're wired that way. So your desire for the opposite sex is totally natural. It may sound weird that your youth pastor is talking to you about this, but it's something that we need to hear, right? Your desire, when you see the opposite sex, you, you have things, you find certain attributes in the opposite sex attractive. Okay? That's, we have that. That's not surprising because God knows that God understands that God put that in us. But the thing is, having desires for the opposite sex um, does not give us a license to simply act out however we want to sexually. Sometimes I have the natural desire to maybe throat punch some people, right? I tell you guys all the time I want to throat punch you. That may be a, a desire I have, but that's not something godly, correct? Right? Like if I were to go up and punch, throat punch one of you, would that be a godly thing to do? No, that's a very easy answer. So when it comes to how we should act sexually, we have a number of options, which brings us to our second question we're looking at tonight. Well, should I just listen to all the advice from all the people around me? There's all kinds of competing views, competing ideas, competing thoughts. Should I listen to all these? You know, as I already talked about at the very beginning, sexuality is everywhere. And everyone, including those who have no desire to please God or live by standards, are sharing their beliefs about how you and I should act sexually. That's just what this world is trying to teach us. And I guarantee that I can prove to you that the world is giving you a message about sexuality and you consciously or subconsciously have picked up on it. Everything from perfume commercials that have, like I've, there's a Victoria's Secret perfume commercial with ladies in their underwear. They're selling me perfume. Why? I don't, there's no need for that. You see sitcoms on TV, you, it's magazine ads, the social media you carry in your pocket. These things are telling you that sex is the greatest thing ever, and that you should explore your sexuality so you can know yourself and make sure that you're compatible with your future spouse. That's what this world is trying to tell us. So the world is saying that sex is a normal part of the dating relationship and that it's okay to be having sex with everybody you date. That's what this world is teaching us. The world is screaming at you and telling you that their view of sex is the right view and that you should be okay with their view of sexuality. They tell you that if you subscribe to a more traditional view of morality, that you're stuck up or a prude, or maybe even call you a, a bigot or judgmental. They say the Bible it, it's just outdated. Um, it's irrelevant in today's society. That a 2,000-year-old book can't possibly be in line with our more evolved, progressive society that we live in today. And they will say things like, "Well, who am I to say who can be together, who can hook up, or who who can even be married?" I, that's not my opinion. I don't have no voice in that. Why do I know this will happen? I think there are two reasons. One, each of these things has happened to me. I've been called every name under the sun just for standing on God's word when it comes to this topic. Number two, the Bible predicts this kind of thing would happen because you have 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
but at having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. This is what we see a lot of today. We see in our society, not just with sexuality, but in all kinds of topics within the church, that we get these people who, who make us feel good, who give us these warm fuzzies and preach to us without really teaching on sin and, and the consequences of sin, because that's a real thing. But people don't teach that. People don't believe that. They just want these people who are going to make them feel good, make them feel, puff them up, make them like, man, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good. Listen to this preacher. He's saying these things. This is who I am. I'm a, I'm a good person. That's, you're not. You're not a good person. I'm sorry. You're not a good person. I'm not a good person. The Bible says nobody's good. That's not me talking. That's Jesus. Nobody's good, right? And so this is our, what our society is trying to tell you. I, I, want, I just want to feel good. I want people to tell me I'm good and tell me everything's going to be okay. That's kind of what this, this verse is saying. This is kind of who we're becoming as a society, not just within sexuality, but all kinds of topics. So this world is shouting, trying to get your attention so that you will listen to their worldview, to live their way, to follow their plan for sexuality, right? If they can convince everybody in our society that they're right, or maybe they actually are right, but, but you know, I'm a different kind of animal, and I hope, I hope you guys are as well, because this brings us to our, our third question of the night. Well, does God have a plan for our sexuality? If God created us, if he invented sex and even commanded us to be one flesh, doesn't it make sense that he might have the best plan for our sexuality? So we're going to see what his, his plan is. First thing is God wants us to avoid lustful thoughts and images. Job 31 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? Other translations just say a, a, a woman. And then Jesus taught in Matthew 5, so, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Because this is vital, because I think almost all sexual sin starts with our brains, with our imagination, with our eyes, leading us to envision, to fantasize, to imagine, and to eventually act out. This is why pornography, I believe, is a dangerous drug, and it's a drug. It is. It's, it's truly a drug. It captivates our minds. It creates a fantasy where the no real person can ever live up to, nor should they live up to. And it almost turns the opposite sex into an object of our sexual pleasure, like an object, not even a human. And there's, there's statistics. You guys can read up on this. I was doing some reading for this tonight. About how your age demographic and, and how it just completely warps and actually destroys the brain of a teenager. It's... it's, it's crazy what what all pornography can do we could do a whole topic on this but we're not going to if we can make a covenant with our eyes and safeguard ourselves against lustful thoughts we will have an easier time being sexually pure maybe that means you need to have a tough conversation with your parents about maybe the websites you've been visiting so maybe they can help you overcome it maybe that means you need to change some of the shows that you watch because maybe there's just too much sexually charged stuff on them Maybe you need to give your phone or your tablet to your parents at night because it's, it's too tempting to have it. So the question is, how, how will you guard your heart? What steps will you take to follow God's plan? The second thing tonight is God wants us to wait on sexual activity until we're married. The Bible makes it clear that sex is designed by God to be a part of the marriage covenant and nothing more. Because 1 Corinthians 7, because of the temptation to sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. In Hebrews 13, let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. This may seem old-fashioned, 
But think of all the positives that come from waiting until your wedding day to engage in sexual activity. You, know, you don't have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases or surprise pregnancies. You don't have to worry about having your heart broken by somebody you've given yourself to in the most intimate way. You don't have to worry about the awkward conversation with your future spouse about how many people you slept with. Most importantly, you will have the joy of sharing in this incredible gift of God with one person that you are in a covenant relationship with, sealed by God and covered by His love. So doesn't the security of the marriage covenant seem like the right place for such a powerful thing? Just like all the hurt, the pain, the STDs, the abortions, the unplanned pregnancies, all kinds of things, the, the children growing up without fathers or mothers that could have been prevented if people would have just followed the plan that God had laid out all along. The third thing is God wants you to honor Him with your body and to fight for sexual purity. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that each, uh, each one of you know how to control his own body and holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. In the 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So this fleeing from sexual immorality has to encompass every part of us, our eyes and what we look at, our bodies and what we wear, our minds and what we think, our hearts and what we put into it, so our relationships and living in purity instead of compromising for a temporary pleasure. So the question is, will you let God direct your paths sexually? Will you trust Him that His way is the best way? Will you avoid falling into the trap that many fall into? Will you stay away from giving your heart away to others that, that far too low of a price. But the thing is, if, if you have given that away, it, it's not the end, I promise. God is a good God. God is a redeeming and restoring God. I think far too often, especially when I was growing up, we had the, the purity culture um, that, that was kind of the age that I grew up in as, as a teen, and it's kind of been pretty harmful for people. But I want you to know that if... if if you have fallen into the sin of, of the sexual temptation, I, I want you to know it's not over, it's not the end. God still loves you. He still has a plan for you, and He wants to restore you, and He wants to redeem you. I think far too often we hear about this, and we, we think, man, it's over. I, I, don't have, I, can't, I can't get that back. Well, it may, that may be true. God still wants to do great and mighty things through you. Um, like I said, it's not the end, it's not over, because God does truly love you, I promise you. I still love you. God does have a huge plan for your life. Let's pray. God, tonight, may we just see the importance of this and see that it's not a topic just to, to giggle at or to laugh at, God, but it's a serious thing that you've laid out in Scripture. You've called us to this standard to be different, to live holy, and, and, and to be set apart from what this culture tells us to. Because this world is trying to come at us from different sides and different angles and just to say, this is how it should be, but your word says different. And may we see it's not just about purity of the mind, God, it's about purity of the heart, purity of the body, purity of everything, God, that it's, all, it's, it's more about following you and giving our life to you. And may we just um, take a little bit of time in our small groups just to dig in a little bit deeper and just to see what your word says. And even with a topic like this, that we're not afraid just to talk and be open and honest. 
Because we need to share, we need this community, we need to be able to build each other up and encourage each other. And this should be the place that we were able to do that. Let's pray for this next little bit of time. Shame I pray. Amen.